Hello everyone, Steve here. Welcome to The Science Shed, episode 10. We made it. So The Science Shed comes out every two weeks uh, and it's two university academics talking about things that we find uh, interesting in science. Uh, so this week Nick and I have got lots of interesting things to talk about. We're talking about uh, Nick being on a grant panel and what that kind of involves and how we fund bits and pieces of science. Um, I found a paper that effectively allows you to judge a book by its cover. So uh, listen on to that and you'll get to find out about that. And we're also talking about how historically different scientists work at different times and kind of the implications that might have for development. Uh, the other thing to note is that we've done a Nobel special for this year's Nobel Prizes that have just been announced. We actually recorded that uh, on a camera, so it's going to be a YouTube clip. I've been editing that today, so hopefully you'll like that. We'll try and release that, that this week as, a, as an additional uh, science shed. So you have to go to YouTube to see that, but we'll let you know the link. Um, but until then, using the magic of editing, I will now put you straight into the science shed. Ready? Are you recording? Yeah. Ah! <coughs> <coughs> He'll be just, like this for about three days now. Just, just going through my my vocal listening technique right. for the podcast. I was just watching. Should I go really through every time I do before a podcast. We've not recorded that before. The, the the preamble, yeah, it's quite extensive for you, isn't it? You really have a oh a yeah yeah no. I've got to go through all of yeah. those different so sort of ex I call them vocal exercises vocal exercises alright so let's, let's break it down so what's the first one you need um, to, that's do you called, do it scientifically or do you just like throw it is it no, much no, more no. kind of artisanal it's, just kind of it's, comes a, it's from evolved within. naturally right an, it's evolved it, so, yeah, so, it's not, so, so biologically relevant the first one that you heard is called um, larynx pilates <laughs> larynx pilates okay that was beautiful the second one was called unlike your face that was not while you were doing it that was not beautiful uh, the second one was called syrinx gymnastics nice so I don't have a syrinx. Syrinx is a bird's vocal box which it uses to sing. That's cool. Um, that's, that's, but that's, I'm trying well, to. What I'm doing in in my mind is I'm imagining that I've got a syrinx. The bird. And by imagining it, I'm able to attain a loosening of the vocal cords otherwise unattainable. Wow. Um, I've Do you got know that Rush did a song called "The Temples of the Syrinx." And is that how you learned what a syrinx was? Yeah, that's cool. That's what, how, how I've learned how all of my, my. How is it different from? Um, I've got no idea, Steve. So it's just it's just a, it functions as a larynx, as far yeah, as you I think know. it's a it's um is kind it, of well, homologous to a larynx. So I mean, so it's we, the same thing. It hasn't evolved co um, evolutionarily. It's just it's just the same thing that we have as a vo voice box. I don't have. know. Yeah. Welcome to the science show, everybody. Welcome, <laughs> two expert <laughs> scientists, academic scientists. <laughs> Go, no, anyway, it's isn't it? don't know. That's I was right. Yeah. yeah all anyway, right. so yeah, but, but all those you all from Rush. All those well. all those exercises are useful for starting. Uh, or, or, be, or being in a Canadian progressive rock band. That's also true. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, let's get on with it. All right. Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, no. Petri, Dishes, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. I like our little kind of chats before we get into some meaty science, you know. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I like the little ramble. I like to know what you've been doing. Yeah. You've always been doing more interesting things than me, well, though. I don't think that's true. What have you been up to? Well, I've been doing a lot this week yeah. because I went on a holiday for two weeks. Yeah. That's a long time. Oh, it's a long time. And then when you were away, I got, I got, I think I got somewhere between 700 and 800 emails. And you know, when I was away, 
I didn't use my phone once. Wow. Switch my phone it, off. Did you have anxiety? Did no, you have I didn't. Technology anxiety. The, op- the absolute opposite. I would. I think if it was me, I would absolutely have anxiety to start with. But I think I'd push through it, and you get to a point where you just I don't care. Well, you just think, well, whatever. I'll just deal with it when I go back. When yeah. I got back, I had quite severe anxiety because <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot yeah. of things to delete. We've talked about that before, so I won't bother you with it again. But um, because there was a backlog, I've just like been working like a dog this really? week. Really? Yeah, and there's loads of things which, um, yeah, I've had to try and get over. And one of the things that I've got to do, I'm going to, I'm involved in a, I'm on a grant panel. Ooh, now. that's exciting. So. Um, Sorry, that was a bit too camp, wasn't it? I'll try it again. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. a grant... A so, grant may, so explain what a grant panel is. So, like... Okay, so when you're a scientist, you, you have to try and ask people for money. Mm. And you ask people for money, like people like... Sometimes charities, but also like research councils. There are three research councils which I'm kind of mm-hmm. used to. There's more than that. I think there's seven in total. Yeah. But they're all they're all known by their initials: BBSRC, EPSRC, MRC. So it's medical, biological, and engineering, yeah. pretty much. And you you write an application. You say, "I want a load of money to do a job to, to do drill this. a hole in a paint can." So you, you ask them for money. Often it's somewhere between you know two hundred and six hundred thousand pounds. That's probably the most common amount of money that people ask for. Yeah. Which and, seems like a lot, but actually, really, that's a relatively small project. Uh, yeah, that's you know, one. That's one person for three years. Yeah, really. so half a million is basically one person for three years and all the stuff that they have to buy. Yeah, right. So, so it's, it's very expensive lot. science. All the consumables and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just so people know, I mean, roughly, typically, I don't know how much you ask for. About fifteen thousand pounds, probably consumables for a project, something year, like that, yeah. per year. So you're usually asking in the region of somewhere between 50 and 80,000 pounds for consumables and associated costs. And so costs. consumables will be like, you know, if you're doing cell work, it'll be media oh, it's and, a lot and like pipette tips yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and like all these kind of Sterile things. Sterile stuff. You know when you, people kind of see images of labs and you see all the kind of plastic wear and all the kind of glass bottles? It's all that kind of stuff, right? It's all the bits and pieces that you yeah, need to weird. do. Actually, stuff, which is actually first, surprisingly expensive. When you first go in a lab as well, it's quite disturbing if you're doing sterile, I work on cells, so if you're doing sterile work, you wang everything in the bin. It's really yeah. like non-sustainable. It's awful, actually. Yeah. So every you get time a tube, you, use you something. squirt something in a tube. You use the tube, and then you throw it away. Yeah. Because it's just that. Because apparently, it's the best way, the most economical. If you're washing up glassware, it costs a lot of money. Well, actually, so it's also about the consistency. So, so, so these all these all the plasticware on the glassware has been treated. So you throw it so that you can ensure that it is sterile, right? And actually, when you look at the relative cost of say growing cells or uh, you know keeping these things alive, if you get an infection, sometimes if you're looking at some cells, they can take weeks or months to grow, right? So it's actually the cost associated with them getting infected is huge. Expensive. Anyway, we yeah. digress. But so you ask for money, and then there's only a certain amount of money that the research council's got available, so they have to review them. So you write them, you send them off, um, they send them out to other experts. The other experts look at them and they say, oh, that's a really good idea. More frequently, they say, that's a load of crap. Yeah, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. That's the usual response Yeah, with me anyway. And then um, they send their reviews back. Then the council sorts them all out, puts them all together in a big file. And then they have people... Oh, oh yeah. Then they send the reviews back to the person who wrote it and say, "Do you have you got anything to say?" Yeah, I told this is uh, it's and rubbish. You say, oh. Yeah, you, you you generally argue with them, and then um, they go back to the big council, load of suits somewhere. No, they're not suits. So how, did, how did you? Did someone just email you and ask this, or did you know someone was on the panel that 
that ask you if you'd be on it or something? How did that work? You give there's, there's often open calls to apply. I applied. Oh, you applied. Oh, okay. So this is one of the things. If you're a jobbing scientist, it looks good on to your be CV. On, to be on a grant. It's actually quite. Hard. It's one of the the best things that I've done actually because you learn so much about how what goes on the machinations behind the scenes. Yeah. This is the first one I'll be doing. Um, but anyway, um, then all of these bits of paper documents go back to the council and then there's a big meeting that lasts two days usually yeah. and everyone sits around and then they go through everything. And so like in, in so just so people know, I mean, what's the the success rate of these things? Probably about 20%, something like that, 25%? Yeah, probably less than that now at the moment. Right, actually. so that's 75% of all these ideas aren't funded and we do that to keep it competitive so so people can have that are only funding the absolute best science in the, or the best ideas in the country i'm not sure that we do it just happens but i mean basically there's not enough money to go around otherwise everything would be funded yeah. so it's like anything you know there's more people who want the money than there is money yeah a lot of the applications are absolutely amazing that don't get funded yeah um, and to be fair sometimes you get that feedback like we really liked it but it just wasn't quite good enough this time, yeah, and so they encourage you to reapply. So it's one of the most it's it's one of the most important and sometimes dispiriting things that you do as a scientist. So you've been working on that. So I've had to. So you you get a watch that you've got to go through, and you go through. So everything. How many are we talking? How many proposals? At a meeting, there's somewhere in the region of a hundred to. But how many do you have to read? Well, in theory, you're supposed to look at them all. A proposal is about six or eight pages long. That kind of that kind yeah, of yeah, but list. that's just that's ignoring all of the other, other bits bump that comes do, with do it. Do you read that? Yeah. Oh, of course. You well, do. no. If it's often, we, yeah, we if it's relevant, we've got to it. we can't air this before you've been on the panel. Otherwise, people will be like, you, you've got to admit to reading everything. Well, they, I'm not saying what panel I'm on. Or I'm not giving any specific yeah. details, but um, yeah. So you got to, and you 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 may introduce four or four or five. So you have to go through them in detail. Yeah. And it's several hours for each one. Wow. I would say at least two hours for each one. More in my right. what I've found so far. Um, and then you've got to sit around the table and then you've got a load of people and everyone's doing the same job. So yeah. there may be like 20, 30 people in the room and they've each got that number of things. And you say, this proposal is about X, Y and Z. They did this, they did that, they did so and yeah. so, blah, blah, blah. The referees thought it was a whole load of shit. Um, <laughs> Shall we fund it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, or the referees thought it was good, but there was a problem. And then you say, well, they came back and they made a response and they actually, the, that, and then you can say something like, well, the referee, I don't agree with this referee because he's misunderstood what he said for this reason. Right. Someone else in the meeting might go, actually, no, you, what are you talking about, you fool? <laughs> Like that to is me. That, is that is that what you're worried about? Is it that same thing we well, spoke I about? Is it Tim Bisley's? I want to uh, make sure. Th- I want to make sure I do my job properly. And yeah, um, yeah it. You, and it, I know how much time people spend on these bloody things because I've written enough. Yeah. And it, you know, you know, and it. You want someone to do a good job reading it, basically. Absolutely. But anyway, I'm going to go to it. Yeah. It's the first one that I've done formally. So going to be good biscuits. I'm gonna I reckon s- you get some good biscuits and tea privileges. I doubt I it. It's bloody research councils. But come on, you you're get given all that time for free. They're going to give you. I a don't think you get much. Maybe I think you might get. I think you might get. We get accommodation, but not much more. Accommodation and, and maybe a, a, a mouldy croissant. You get a bit. Of, I think you can get a bit of payment for it if you're if you accept it. I don't know how many people do that, but I'll, actually, when when I've gone on it, I'll rip, I'll. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Obviously, these things, what goes on in them is um, confidential, so I can't share them, but I can talk generally about 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 how you found it. That's really interesting. Well, when is it? Uh, It's next week. All right. Well, well, maybe we can can get an update. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully something funny will happen. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was two days in a room. But I don't, I can't, I can't see much funny about it at the moment, but we'll right. see how we go on. All right, I look forward to it. Right. I came across this paper, Nick. Oh! <laughs> okay, right. So uh, this week, uh, actually two weeks ago in uh, Nick's Communications, right, came across this paper. It's called uh, Terahertz Time-Gated Spectral Imaging for Content Extraction Through Layered Structures. Sounds really boring. Yeah, so it's a group from, uh, by, uh, headed by a guy called Ramesh uh, Raskar in, from MIT. And they're interested in looking oh, at... I'm at MIT. Uh, we got some cool. We got some cool circuits. We're gonna. Uh, we gonna play around with the circuits. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna go to bed tonight because I love doing the science so much here. I'm in Boston. Sorry, that's my impression of an MIT researcher. Really? Do you know many people from MIT? Just, or is it just Gibble Hunting? That's uh, no, it. No, no. I think I've met a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not listening. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so they're using kind of tetrahertz imaging. So I don't know if you heard of that. Uh, so that means like four legs. No, terahertz. <laughs> Tet? Not you said tetrahertz. Oh, sorry, that was slip of the tongue. Terahertz. Oh, right, um, so it's just a different region of the spectrum. So it's kind of between infrared and microwaves. So it's just a bit of the EM spectrum. Can you cook with it? Um, you no, not really, because no. you don't vibrate bonds with that wave. Okay. Could, um, but you know the the you know those scanners that is that, that where phones work? No, gigahertz as well. Oh, right, right. Um, uh, yeah, you know those scanners you have in airports where people put their arms up, and so like, you can see people's ghoulies. Exactly, so you can see the ghoulies. <laughs> Do you ever hang around? Because I've seen those in airports now, and last time, <laughs> 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 last time I went on a plane, I saw one of those things, and quite quite nice looking woman went in one of them right and i i lingered around they don't, they I don't thought, have the pictures now where's the screen i no, couldn't know they have someone checking it and well, then they, looking, they radio down oh, to the i was looking for the screen because i thought i just wanted to see I whether i can see <laughs> <laughs> because such I, a perv well i <laughs> yeah i can't deny it i think yeah. i was thinking of airplane you know right leslie nielsen right, from right. when they were, they were all looking at the ladies coming through with the Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> All right, back in the room, Nick. Back in the room. Back in the room. Uh, anyway, uh, so this, there's this paper um, by. So they're looking. What they're doing is they're using like very far, a fast. It's a laser basically, but it operates in a, a different region of the spectrum that we think about a laser normally. Yeah. Um, and uh, what it's doing is it's vibrating air pockets uh, in layered structures, and what that does is it, you can you can gain information about how the light is scattered back. From that so that what they do the way they show that show this off is they what take the a hell is a layered structure a book <laughs> <laughs> right oh, right okay so what they do that was a good question I asked yeah that. um so they take a they take a book and then they scan it with this uh, imaging right and what they can do is they can read the book when it's closed oh whoa, 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 hang on a minute so there's air pockets in the writing it's so it's the, so 20 micron air pockets between the layers of paper in a book and the other is they can go nine pages down. They quantify it in this paper, in this right. book. Um, and yeah, essentially what they're doing is they're looking at the backscatter of, of this light. Uh, in a, you know, uh, so typically they're femtosecond pulses. So they're very right. short laser pulses. And they scan them in a different position called raster scanning. It's very much how your old, the old TVs used to work. I read, I read. <laughs> God, I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so they can build up structures based upon how the air interacts with the pigment. 
right. and how the light is scattered back from that. And they can actually so so they can so read the, a book when so it's closed. So the the ink has some kind of air pocket associated with it. No, no, no. So there's air pockets between the pages. Right. And how do they see the writing then? So that so you vibrate you vibrate the air by shooting the laser through it. Right. And then what you're doing is that the, the, the phase and the amplitude of that light when it scatters back is proportional to the environment that that air pocket was in. So something happens to the light. The light. It makes you be able to see it. Yeah, so I'm going to show you now. So here's a picture taken with with a book that was closed. And what you're going to do here is... The picture's not very good, but it's much more, it's much more cool. Yeah. So what they've done here is they've gone, they've gone through the book right. just optically right. while it was closed. So they can right. image letters through a book. So I'm showing Nick some pictures now. And we'll show. We'll put this up. So they're single letters. They're single letters. It's not a, a good story. What? <laughs> it's not. But the point is, they've read a book with it closed. <laughs> Isn't it, that cool? It is pretty amazing. They're yeah. kind of a bit late though with that technology because everyone reads Kindles these days. Yeah, it's completely useless. <laughs> no, they said actually it's really. So they have. So the, so the one of the applications they foresee is there's lots of kind of old books they have in libraries that are right. so fragile oh, they right. can't even open them. Oh, that's. And so like the idea they'd like to do is actually read these things without using something ionizing like an X-ray or something like that, that's which cool, can actually man. damage the book. Isn't it cool? That's amazing. Yeah. So I came across this this paper. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, and we'll put the link to it um, on the uh, on the, the Twitter feed. Um, hopefully, people are going to have a look at it. Um, there's quite. There was a few media articles about it and like kind of most media way they really hype it up and i went and looked at the paper and it's actually relatively boring <laughs> but it's cool it's cool anyway to be able to read a book with it closed absolutely yeah oh. so what's happening in biology nick um or bioengineering or whatever you pretend to do oh uh, well i uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You put me on the spot. Right. Like that. I don't know what's going on in fucking. Got some any good exciting discoveries? My 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 uh, one of my postdocs he texted me on Friday. He's managed to get something working, which is pretty good. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is always exciting. That, that to me, I think is that's the most exciting things in the lab when you get when you have an idea and you get someone to try it out and it works. They're, that for me, that's that's the reason I do my job. I think like the, all the papers and the grants we moan about, but there when you find when it, when you when it, when it works. Yeah. And you see something for the first time, that's the exciting bit. It is, yeah. Especially when it's taken a long time to get it to work. Totally. Do you know, so I was two in, and a half years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was in the, I was in the lab on uh, Wednesday, right? So everyone was moaning the microscope was broken, right? It wasn't working. Why don't they uh, just was, fix it then? Well, that's what I said. They said, we need a new microscope. I said, we can't buy a microscope. It's 35,000 quid. And I was like, I bet it's fine. And I was like, and to be honest, because our job is to build microscopes in my lab, I feel like if anybody can fix it, it's probably us, right? Right. So I go down and they're like, oh, look, here's the, and they showed, they took some data and it was drifting. The microscope was drifting on the scale of about a micron, which is huge, right? From For our microscopes. So a micron's about, uh, a hair's about 50 microns. And it was kind of wobbling on the scale of about a 50th of a hair, which may not sound a lot, but it's a lot for us. Um, so anyway, I just went out to look at it, and it was just all it needed was a clean. So I took it to Bart, <laughs> took it apart, and just cleaned it with soapy water, right, and put it all back together. Well, you did it. I did it because why they, didn't they do it? Because they, they were saying they were just complaining it wasn't working. So I went in. I, felt, I actually quite liked it because I quite like being in the lab. Oh, were one. you smug afterwards? I was totally smug. Yeah. I was well, <laughs> I'd never bring that to my <laughs> door again. again. <laughs> exactly. I just saved <laughs> saved the lab thirty five thousand pounds because I uh, yeah. So I went in, just like took it apart and cleaned it, like lined everything up. And like, you know, got some gloves on and all that. I really like doing that. And I like to feel like I can, I felt like I still got some chops in the lab, you know? Oh, well, that's good. And so afterwards we measured it and it was a, a stable on, the, on about 15 nanometers. So oh, we did about 50 fold increase just from cleaning it. Well, I'm sure your students and postdocs will enjoy that you've recounted that. No, well, they're, but they're going to have to put up with my smugness for a long, <laughs> long time to come. <laughs> mm.
got a cup of tea now, Nick. Steve, you've, you've had sugar in it. I've I had sugar. Why have you had sugar in your tea? You never I'm have sugar in your tea. I don't know. Maybe it's just all this podcasting is tying me out. I need the I need the sugar. I need the glucose. Oh, my goodness. So I've been having cups of tea with Steve on and off since 2009. And I like sugar in my tea because <laughs> I'm that sort of person. I like my comforts and my treats. <laughs> that, that's a treat for you, is it? Sugar yeah, in sugar tea? in tea is like a luxury. It's a more luxurious drink than just tea without sugar in it. I disagree it? normally. I, yeah, it's been a long time, but I just fancy the sugar. Don't anyway, every time I have sugar in my tea, Steve, in a haughty manner, says... Gentlemen don't put sugar in tea. An Englishman shouldn't have sugar in his tea. Englishman, that's it. An Englishman doesn't put sugar in his tea. Yeah. And I've been clear evidence against... Well, actually, I was born in Wales. I'm kind of technically a Welshman. Well, there you go. That's fine. So um, So you can't have sugar in your tea. Oh, I see. So you're looking down your nose. Yeah, basically. At the provincial... Yeah. Yeah, so that's imperial Englishman. You've just let your country down by being haughty and... (laughs) Anyway, Steve, what I wanted to talk to you about... Yeah. Working practices in the lab, right? When's Working your favorite? Practices. When's your favorite time of the day to do Ooh, your work? That kind of thing. Uh, it depends what kind of work. So, all right. So, um, tinkering and fiddling in around. the lab. Yeah, I think in the afternoon. I think after lunch. Um, I think it's okay. So, I think if you so, I don't do experiments very. Well. I very rarely do experiments. But when I did, uh, if you got get stuff done, I always used to like to come in early get stuff on ready, get everything aligned. So when people come in and we kind of, you know, I normally ended up kind of collaborating with others, everything was ready to go. Because I liked the con- I liked the bit of a control freak there. I liked having everything planned and organised. You didn't seem like that when I worked with you a couple of times. <laughs> we were constantly scrabbling around trying to find bits well, and pieces. But that wasn't, those kind of experiments are just getting stuff working. I'm talking oh, about right. when you've got You're talking like, about doing Doing proper properly. science, yeah. <laughs> right, you're saying that we never yeah, did Yeah, we just did like, you know, <laughs> bucket <laughs> chemistry. Um yeah, and then I think I think um, uh, I, so for me intellectually, like if I'm writing a paper or doing something like that, I'm always best in the mornings. I think like when I first come in. Yeah, I'm the same. So I, I think that's I am most alert early in the mornings. I have a major lull that starts about lunchtime. Yeah, and then I'm I'm I can be very alert in the evenings. Right. So right. I've got like, I'm kind of got I think I'm Mediterranean. Right. But I think yeah, that if siesta. I had some... If An intellectual had, siesta yeah. in the day. Yeah. So I think you're right. If I had something monotonous, didn't require thought to do physical, I would yeah. do it sort of two to four or something like that. Yeah, I'm the same. I think, you know, cleaning cleaning things or organising things or, or, or actually, you know, which is part of it. I, th- I was always... Could always find a few hours to do that and that was generally in the afternoon. Why do you ask, Nick? Well, I've been... I've been um, I just found... Well, I was thinking a bit about it because I'd read some things about different types of mathematicians coming in um, and working overnight. You know, like scientists, they can yeah. freestyle. We're in a position where we yeah. can kind of, to some extent, choose our hours, yeah? Do you, do you like to think of it, like, you know when you hear those stories of, like, when Zeppelin recorded an album in, like, 1972 in a house in Berlin? Do you feel a little bit like they just stayed up all night recording? Well, some people do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was a I kind guy, of feel like a little bit like that. There was a, I mean, one of the examples, we mentioned this before, there's a scientist called Sh- Julian Sh- Schwinger yeah. in America. I think yeah. that's how you say his name. don't know. He was the model for Goodwill Hunting in that film. Right. He would come in late at night, work overnight, yeah. and then people would rock up in the morning and they'd have equations written on the blackboards and he would have solved them overnight. So other people would come in and this mysterious person would have come in overnight and solved these. But he was also an academic, right? Like, he's, he's a bit like, weird. Yeah. So a lot of we're people are quite... I think they're the weirdest. Yeah, they're definitely we, the weirdest. That was the first thing we ever spoke about was the weirdness of science. Yeah, scientists. But mathematicians are the top. Properly weird. Yeah. Anyway, I've been reading a book recently... Um, and it's a memoir of a guy called Otto Frisch. He's the guy who coined the term nuclear fission. Ah, right? So 
Yeah, he and Lisa Meitner, who's actually his yeah. auntie, yeah. they came up with the idea because they realised what was going on in an experiment is that is it, is an she, atom is was she being the, the origin of split. the um, Meitner effect. Possibly, I don't right. know. I've not heard yeah. of the Meitner effect. It's um, you know, when you see, uh, I'm, I might have made this up. We have to check this. Uh, it's when um, things superconduct and they float. Oh, I believe that's called that. So when you expect when a when a material superconducting material expels a magnetic field, I would say it's probably not her because she was a nuclear physicist. I'm going to look it up right now. Anyway, so do you remember we were talking earlier on about um, De Hevsey? De Hevsey, yeah, they got with the uh, the Nobel prizes and the uh, and <laughs> oh yeah, he, he's the, the dude who dissolved his Nobel prize in acid. Or yeah, the uh, aqueous regia. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, regia. anyway, he, so um, Otto Frisch was working with De Hevsey and yeah. another gap called Playzek. Um, it's totally not, by the way. In Denmark. So this was when he was in Denmark. So it was the same time when Hefsey oh, was there dissolving what? the Nobel Prize. Right. Anyway, De Hefsey was a bit He's of a... a busy man, wasn't he? He was a character as well. Yeah. Anyway, he was... This is where, where a lot of people, they work overnight. Scientists, if they can, a lot of them would work overnight. Mathematicians... We're not, allowed to, we're not allowed to do that anymore. Can't. Well, you could. I think you could. I, I, we can't do it in the lab. In no Cambridge. one would know, though, or care. No, we have people that go around at 12 o'clock and kick people out of the department. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. That's like um, Rutherford used to do that as well. Really? Switch all the electricity off at six. But Really? Yeah. It's the, uh, the, uh, sleepy the time. Power, it was only powered equipment between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And he was of the opinion that people needed their minds to rest. He didn't want people working very hard. So Rutherford, the person that, that, that discovered the atomic nucleus... Used yeah. an experiment that required, the that required no electricity. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he could have done his experiment. Yeah. Fine, late at night. He just couldn't get anyone other people that... that he didn't know. He didn't want people to do it. And he had, there was a famous quote by him as well. Um, and it was something like, you know, what, when do you... He was talking to some graduate student. When do you do this? And he said, well, I work till this to this. And then I work from this to this. Yeah. And he says, when do, you get, when do you get time to think, boy? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So Hevsey, right? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to quote yeah. from the memoirs of Otto Fischer. So yeah, Nick's got a book in front of Hefsey him. Hevsey suffered from insomnia and often came to the laboratory at night. Right. One day, so this is in, in, the, in the context of Frisch is working with, with Playzek. Frisch, just to yeah. give you some context, he likes to have a normal working day, get up at the right time. Like nine to five kind of. His mate, Playzek, likes to rock up in the afternoon Right and work till the early hours, and they're supposed yeah. to be collaborating with each other. Which must be quite difficult if you're difficult. only if you're it's only rocking in the, up in the, in the lab for half an hour a day or something. Can you believe it? He says so. He says the trouble the trouble was that we tended to keep different hours. I like to get up about eight in the morning, whereas Playzet usually appeared in the laboratory about noon, yawning and rubbing his eyes. So that's not conducive to a good collaboration. I agree. Anyway, Hefsey. Yeah. So the the dude we're talking about, he suffered from insomnia and often came. He discovered hafnium. Did he? Well. I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. One day he said with his deep Hungarian voice, so he's talking about them yeah. keeping different hours. Frisch, I sewed around in the laboratory at all possible hours. Do never sleep. So I explained to him the reasons for my staying up with Playzac, usually till three, trusting him to put the radium in its bottle and switch off the counters after I'd gone to bed, working on radioactivity. Yeah. Hefsey, with a faraway look on his long, melancholy face, began to tell a story. Yeah. In the village where I lived as a boy, he said, they once caught a young wild pig which had lost its mother. And they put the pig together with a young domestic pig so that they should grow up in company. But that did not work. The wild pig was used to a nocturnal life and would rummage around all night keeping the tame pig awake. And the tame pig didn't let the wild pig sleep in daytime. So after a few weeks, both pigs died. 
It's the end of his little story. <laughs> so basically, from think then about on, it. from then think on, Blazek was called the Wild Pig, and Frisch was called. Oh, that's beautiful! Pig. I love that. That's great. So sometimes, though, I would like like it's just inconvenient for a normal life, isn't it, to work when you feel most apt to working. Like I definitely feel very good at working in the morning. Yeah, totally useless. All afternoon, well, math- and I only wake up at five o'clock. But I don't want to live my life. Mathematicians, not quite famously, they, they you know, yeah, kind of expect you can only really do like hard thinking for maths for about a few hours a day. So they kind of like they have to quite often. You see, they go for like walks in the afternoon and things like that. Yeah, I but suppose at night time, you, you there's much less disturbance. There's nothing going on. I, that's probably why I'm. I think I think in the morning when I'm in before everyone else, I can get stuff done because I can't. I'm not going to be disturbed. I think mm. that's the I'm, I'm easily disturbed. need to go to the toilet actually I'm kind of i'm kind of bored of you to be honest <laughs> well that does happen i just like yeah i'm really i might as well just go home oh well you know it won't be long till we see each other again that's though. true hopefully uh people like the podcast um and if they want to hear more they should interact with us on uh, social media on twitter uh, i'm uh steve the chemist and i'm the evans lab uh, we're also on SoundCloud and on youtube oh youtube we've actually got a twitter account now the science shed's got a twitter account not just me and you well, um, who's going to write things on that then? Well, either of us can. Oh. Um, but mainly I me. can barely handle my own one. Yeah, well, it's not so you spend a lot of time on Twitter, really, <laughs> is it, Nick? Um, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed it, uh, and we'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye.